0: Hi everyone. This is your host Harmit and you're listening to Tobin Talks. Hi everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Tobin Talks. My name's Harmit and today we'll be talking about the upcoming municipal election on October 26th. Winnipegers will have an opportunity to vote for their new mayor, city councilors, and school trustees. There are 11 candidates running for mayor, and today we'll be speaking with three of the frontrunners Kevin Klein, Sean Loney, and Glenn Murray. First up, we have our news editor Colton talking to Kevin Klein.
1: What will you do to
2: combat crime in the city?
1: Well, you know what? There's several solutions to uh, dealing with crime, but the very first thing we're going to do, of course, is acknowledge that we have a problem and then ensure that we're allocating the money that is being, you know, directed to public safety is actually being spent on public safety. In 1998, you had 28 police cars that were covering the city of Winnipeg. And in 2022, you still only have 28 police cars covering the city of Winnipeg although the population has gone up by 100 or 200,000, and the city has grown uh, quite a bit geographically. So I would start by ensuring that all of our resources are available to respond to the 911 calls that are going missed right now in our community. That's two ways. Number one way is that we have an awful lot of police officers that spend time with those in custody at an emergency room. We can fix that and we can address that because I also was the police board chair for several years. We can fix that by putting sheriffs in the hospital or by putting cadets because they are legally allowed to detain people. So we have to do that to free up our resources and allow them to respond to 911 calls because some nights you can have upwards of 10 or 11 police cars waiting at the at an emergency room for different people that are in custody second part is is that we have other officers that are located throughout the station that are doing various duties, and we need to address crime in our city as a crisis. And then we can reallocate those officers to, again, responding to the 911 calls that are on the street. That's what you do immediately. A long-term plan, of course, would be to, you know, address uh, other ways of proactive policing. But very first, we have to address the crime situation. Okay. Okay. So another issue that you've also highlighted is uh homelessness. What would you
3: do to address this?
1: Well, something I, I don't know if you if you know or not. Um I actually came from I I grew up in government housing. We were below the poverty line. Had a single mom for the most of my life. However, uh I also ended up in my life staying at a Salvation Army shelter for a few days. So I understand uh, that feeling of, of nobody cares or helplessness and, and fear that comes with that. So the very first thing I will do as mayor, and I'm the only candidate really that has a plan to address it immediately, is identify it and call it a homeless crisis. And that will allow us to pull levers with the federal government and others so that we can do what they're doing in British Columbia and some cities in Ontario and in eastern Canada And that's bringing in accommodation trailers through funding that the federal government has for that. And that allows then every homeless person to have their own room and have a key to that room. But it also gives them an official address. And with that official address, they can then apply for the funding that's available, for the financial support that's available, or we can get them into programs that are offered through social services, because now they have an address. And that funding, when you do the accommodation trailers, will allow you to call on the provincial government, the federal government again, to make sure that they're funding additional social workers to be on site so that they can help people on a regular basis, that they can ensure that our Indigenous community members are put in touch with the Indigenous services that are available in our city and the Indigenous housing that's available in our city. Right now, they're left alone. They they have to make an appointment on their own, and that's difficult to do when you're just trying to survive. So the accommodation trailers is taking immediate action. There's lots of other long-term solutions that I have, but right now it's a crisis, and we need to bring in those trailers and deal with it. Okay. What policies do you have that would help students? Well, when it comes to young people in the community, I have a, you know, I... I know a lot of young people that, uh, are just passionate about our city, but they're passionate about their future. And, and I want to make it easier for young people, first of all, to open a small or medium sized business. I want to be a partner. I want the city of Winnipeg to partner with our young entrepreneurs and those that are coming out of school that want to, that want to tackle, uh, or, or start a business. But we make it far too difficult for that to happen. And crime, Oddly enough, plays a big part of that because if you want to open a business in Winnipeg, especially downtown, the insurance rates are so high because of our crime, it makes it almost impossible for young entrepreneurs. I just so want to make sure that our city becomes a destination. I have six kids. All of them have gone through university and such, and, and now three of them live outside of the city because they had to go elsewhere to follow their dream. I want to make sure that we're spending time, attracting the right businesses to the city of Winnipeg to keep our young people. We we have to we have to think about the future and our future is with within young people. So we need to make life easier for them to get connected in the city, easier for them to open a business in the city, even if it's home based. And let's work with them to continue that and grow that business. If there's any other policies uh that you'd like to briefly highlight there's there's two that I would like to highlight. Number one eliminate the Executive Policy Committee. Uh, that's a governance model of the city of Winnipeg that's the only city in Canada that follows that model, and it's not helping our city, and it's not benefiting the city council. So I would el- eliminate that and go through the process to make sure it's eliminated as quickly as possible. I would also like to add that I will, do, I will bring a different style of budgeting because during my life, I've executive. I've been a corporate executive, a CEO, divisional president. I understand how to direct staff and do budgeting properly. So we will introduce a new way of budgeting at the city of Winnipeg. It's it's new to the city of Winnipeg, but known worldwide, and that's zero-based budget reviews. So that we ensure every dollar that's being spent has a purpose behind it and that it's accountable to residents. And I announced that today to the media that we will introduce that budgeting here, which has never happened before. And we will not allow just politicians to simply make promises and raise property taxes. There has to be purpose behind that, there has to be accountability behind that, and there has to be measurements and follow-ups so residents know exactly how we are spending their money.
4: Okay, right on. Um, so if that's all you wanted to add, then, then that's, uh, that's the interview. Thank you so much for meeting with me today, and uh, yeah, good luck in the election.
1: Thank you. I appreciate your time.
4: Have a good day.
0: Next up, let's hear our news editor Matthew Merkel talking to Sean Loney.
2: How do you plan on addressing homelessness in the city of Winnipeg? Well,
4: we first have to recognize that this isn't a money problem, it's a systems problem. We're spending And I'm going to modernize the relationship between emergency service providers and supportive housing providers because currently they're not connected. And um, what what that looks like is inviting emergency service providers to pay supportive housing providers when they are successful at reducing their workload. Um, it's really uh instead of going from government on out it's going from solutions on back to government and it's, it's a real sea change in how
2: we can move forward getting things done well cool. you recently uh proposed a nightlife mayor do you think yeah. you could just like explain what that is and um your your thoughts on that sure there's many
4: cities especially in europe that have Uh, appointed a nightlife mayor, and it's really somebody who represents the arts and cultural sector, a lot of the things that happen in the entertainment sector, things that happen after 5pm, and to to City Hall, because City Hall I think is too focused on just the 9 to 5 business activities, and we need to recognize that the arts and cultural sector is really vibrant, creates lots of jobs, brings tourists to Winnipeg, and most importantly, I think,
2: gives young people a reason to stay here rather than leaving for other cities. Cool. How do uh, you plan on making Winnipeg a safer place? Well, as you know, my career has been working
4: in the social enterprise sector, hiring people with criminal records to work in the trades, and I have a very unique skill set to bring to Winnipeg that can um, see an actual reduction in crime. And when you combine this approach, and and I've, I've announced I'm gonna add a thousand social enterprise jobs, primarily focusing on people who are in constant contact with police. And with our homelessness strategy, there's the two main elements. I think we can cut the number of police dispatches by 10%. Uh, right now, the city of Winnipeg Police we dispatch stuff the public two hundred and thirty eight thousand times a year, it's over six hundred times a day. and uh, to me, it's an opportunity to really reduce the number of uh, uh, the,
2: the amount of the workload that that the police have. Cool. City transit. what are some plans you have for that? I've announced a
4: big city transit system called Metro Mobility and what it is is an intermodal single fare system so with one touch on your phone you can summon an an electric wheelchair accessible van and it will pick you up and take you to either a regional location if that's where you want to go or to the closest rapid transit stop for one fare it'll take you where you want to go very quickly and 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 also very, um, conveniently. And other cities outside, uh, um, are implementing this transit on demand, but using vans to do what vans can do well, which would be very flexible, pick up a small number of people to, and, and connect the, the, the people to the electric buses that are on arterial routes arriving frequently. And I think when people see the metro mobility, they'll wonder if they need a car or if they need a second car, and and that's the kind of city that I want to lead—a city where you can
2: get around very efficiently and affordably. What are some of the economic parts of your platform that you think are the strongest? Like, what do you think Winnipegers will um, particularly find interesting about your platform that separates you from the others? The most important. The economic opportunity we have
4: is looking at the $2 billion worth of fossil fuels that are imported into Winnipeg on an annual basis. And I've announced major strategies on seeing 40,000 heat pumps installed in Winnipeg uh, at no upfront costs, additional upfront costs for homeowners. Uh, same thing with solar for eligible homes, the same solar installed at no upfront cost, and a public EV charging system throughout the city on city-owned property. And the city of Winnipeg has a report called the Community Energy Investment Roadmap, and it shows how we can create 100,000 person years of employment uh, for people working in the green sector. And I'm the only candidate, that has announced strategy as to how we can um, really take advantage of this opportunity, and climate change for Winnipegers is not a,
2: a problem. It's the biggest economic opportunity available to us of a generation. So, in terms of plans for a greener Winnipeg, then how would that tie in? Uh, well, so so a really
4: concerted strategy to help Winnipegers achieve these utility bill reductions and uh, reductions in in transit or in transportation costs. But I've also announced uh, a couple other things I think that your readers would be interested in. One is uh, a tree trust that is modeled on other tree trusts in North America, including one in Cleveland and one in Minneapolis, where trees can be, the value of trees can be, Um, treated as infrastructure by the city and the other thing about the tree trust is it would be able to lean into green infrastructure and to keep water storm water from going into the sewage system and overwhelming the sewage system Mm -hmm. and in vancouver they're targeting that 90 percent of storm water would be either captured or delayed um, or or handled naturally and I want to see that kind of target here in Winnipeg so that we can reduce the amount of raw sewage dumped into our waterways. So this tree trust is a really
2: important um, uh, plank in my environmental platform. Very cool. What should Winnipeggers expect to see from you as mayor of Winnipeg? They're going to see
4: someone with a lot of political courage to do things differently. On like many fronts, we're just struggling so badly, with homelessness and crime not making any progress on our carbon footprint and I think just looking at one off projects and shuffling money around is 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 the problem I wanna think. Like we need to do things so differently. And amongst my two main competitors, one is talking about going back twenty years and the other one doubling down on doing things the way we've been doing them. So um, I think Winnipeggers are seeing that I
2: offer a new path, and that's why we're coming up in the polls so swiftly. And um, looking forward to election night. Awesome. Okay. Thanks so much for your time, and uh, really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thank you for tracking me down. I look forward to reading the story. Keep up the good work. Awesome. Thanks. You too.
0: <music> Lastly, let's hear our news editor Colton McKillop speak with Glenn Murray.
4: To start off,
3: if you could just talk a little bit about why you, uh, I, uh, you're having a having a term a few years ago. I, I think the city um, is facing a number of challenges um, that need some real leadership and imagination to address, um, and, and that we really need to get back to doing some of the things that we started doing a decade or so ago that have uh, have have uh, you know that have been cut, canceled, or left unfunded. When I was mayor, uh, I launched the city's first rapid transit system. Originally proposed to be an LRT, compromised with the other governments was a bus rapid transit system from the um, city center down to the University of Manitoba, and we haven't advanced too much beyond that. Matter of fact, in the original plan, we should have had at least three and as many as five rapid transit lines, a mix of LRT and DRT. So. Um, you know, we're the only city over half a million people in Canada now without a higher order transit. That would be um, without an LRT system or an advanced BRT system. So, to me, you know, catching up and building a more modern city, that's really important because I don't own a car. I live on a bicycle. I live on public transit and do walk and car share. And so, and I think I'm probably more reflective of people in their 20s today than I am probably my own age peer group in understanding the importance to human health of walkable neighborhoods and walkability and also understanding the importance to reducing greenhouse gas emissions and pollution and achieving energy independence by by not owning a car and not putting the pressures for the huge amount of infrastructure we need when people choose to drive around the city. As a single person in one person in a vehicle, um, so shifting back to uh, to a rapid transit and walkable city makes it a much more affordable city, and I think <clears throat> comes a lot closer to the needs of a lot of students who would like to to have better choices. Um, that that's one reason. The other one we're, we're in the middle of a climate crisis, uh, which is going to which is already starting to create huge displacements in the world, mass droughts, environmental migration, um, and, and greater conflict. Um, if we're going to leave, if our planet over the next century or so is going to be livable for the population it has right now or some por- significant <laughs> portion thereof, we've got to bring greenhouse gas emissions under control and reduce pollution. And that is really the electrification of our buildings, geothermal system, um, heat pumps, photovoltaic, uh inter- integrated window and uh e- to Red River College, the uh, at the Manitou uh center, there they have some of the most advanced photovoltaics in the country. When I when I was mayor last time, we did the Manitou Hydro Building in Red River College, and we introduced the, the really first large scale um use of that type of green energy things like um and technology things like solar chimneys and l- large scale photovoltaic arrays and large scale geothermal projects. And we need to do that, and I think most people who are younger today realize that, unlike a lot of people that are older, uh, they're, they're going to be living in a full-on climate crisis with issues of food security, water security, um, and massive loss of species, Um, and and a very unstable climate on this planet, one that's going to have some really negative effects on employment, safety, and security, and on on maintaining peace in different regions of the world. So Winnipeg is perfectly suited with its electricity base, and it's... Um, and with the size of its population and its location to be a, to arguably be the leading green and clean city in Canada. And there's a, and I've learned having done work at the national level as chair of the National Roundtable on the Environment and Economy and the Senior Minister in Ontario, Minister of Transportation, Infrastructure, Environment, and Climate Change. um, I've learned that real change happens at the city. C- cities manage and oversee and lead most of the systems. On which our lives depend on, which, uh, as, as relative to, uh, the environmental health of our ecosystem, the uh, livability of the planet, uh, is best protected at the city level. We can change the way we move. We can change the energy and electricity and heating and cooling that we, uh, excuse me, the energy heating and cooling we use in our buildings. It's much easier to get, uh, large scale environmental change at municipal city level than it is at a national or even a provincial level.
1: Okay, so one of the p- policies that you put
3: forward in your campaign uh, has to do with uh, getting rid of the uh, police uh, helicopters.
4: Um so oh, no, it's, act- it's also- actually
3: no, it's actually introduced Well, it's actually replacing the police helicopter with much more mo- modern drones, which you could have many more of, and which are uh, much less expensive. We could re- we could bring a lot of beat constables back. Uh, which can operate 24 hours a day and almost 365 days a year. A Helicopters can only can only um, can only operate for 16 hours a week, so it's a, a very limited value. So we're looking at replacing it with a 21st century, replacing the 20th century technology with 21st century technology. Okay, so what is your position then on the um, on the police budget generally? Do you agree
2: with some of the the voices lately who have been arguing that funding should be reduced
3: and redirected to other areas of
4: community support well violent crime right now
3: is really high when I was mayor, um the this the police budget was less than twenty percent of the uh, city budget um and it was pretty robust um budget um the police number of police cars in the complement was not that much different than it was than it is today um the, but today the Police budget is now pressing up around 30% of, the, of city spending. So uh, we've seen an increase by just about a third, and, uh, and and that's not an increase necessarily money. It's really the redistribution of um, revenue within the uh, of budget, of, of budget allocations of the city. So parks, recreation, um, planning, transit, all of those other areas are seeing reductions. Areas that things that are Really important to public safety to the things that front and load public safety. If we don't have healthy streets, if we're not having well-maintained streets, we don't have patios and life on our streets downtown. Our streets are ruffed of commercial storefrontages, as so many of them are now, and have high vacancy rates. And then that is an area which crime starts to breed. Um, and so, having safe, well-lit, walkable neighborhoods is really important. Having um, less, certainly less on technology, um, expense of aided technology, and having more money and police officers being on the street in neighborhoods where they they know they work with people who live in those neighborhoods. They know where the which doors in those neighborhoods are. Uh, 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 there is criminal activity. Which houses are abandoned? Which houses are where the drug dealers are? Which houses uh, are home to guns? And you'll get programs like Powerline in Point Douglas and they're using local knowledge to locate and, um, identify people that are involved in significant violence and other forms of, um, serious harmful, um, uh, criminal activity. So, you know, that, that, that kind of thing is, is, is really important. Um, and retooling our, um, retooling our police service to work in the context of A larger community response, you know, libraries being open is really important to kids. There was a 13 year old girl who allegedly stabbed another 13 year old girl. Um, I'm not sure that would have happened if there was a community that had good school and after school programs. If there were, I don't know, gymnastics or ballet or, you know, other things that, that, um, those kids could do in their community. The problem is there are so many, so many communities in the city where there isn't a local hockey team for young people to play on or, you know, there isn't isn't there there isn't dance schools or uh, art schools or pick-up basketball um, or community organizations that young people want to be involved in. Um, and when those things disappear, we lose access to our community facilities, we end up with kids on more like without the safe places to go. And that's often when things start to go off the tracks in the neighborhood. Are there any policies that you'd like to highlight that, would have positive impact impacts for uh, students or student-related issues to talk about. Yeah, I think what we did, that you have to build affordability into things for students and recognize that students are an integrated part of the city. So when I, when I was there, there was a very exciting project that was at University of Winnipeg, where the infill housing in that neighborhood was jointly developed with the University of Winnipeg, uh, which included tailored Residential units that were designed for students and priced uh, at much lower rates that were affordable to students, and they were within walking distance of the university, so it really cut down on transportation costs. One of the things, big things about University of Manitoba, is that usually I, I just noticed how many people drive cars there, but it's it, the transportation costs and the affordability costs for students in Manitoba. So we're not designing. We, don't, we aren't developing a strategy where we set transit rates at, at a level of affordability for students, understanding what the average student income is, uh, and, and, and constantly monitoring to make sure that we are addressing our transit rates uh, to levels that are well within the affordability factor. We should be developing infill housing as we did, as we used to, right at, um, at University of Winnipeg. Um, Red River College is easier to do it given its urban downtown location. There is a lot of residential development going up. Uh, even if you're beside the University of Manitoba having the highway, it's still a little bit of a hike in there if you have to get to class early in the morning. So the idea of working with the university is to become more of a complete community so that the the the, the, the residential component and the transit and transportation systems down there work well for students. Right? And by that, I mean that there's an infill and affordable housing. that you know, The city works with the province and the federal government and the universities and colleges to, to ensure that the housing projects in those areas are priced at a reasonable level for students and that we're monitoring annually what what is happening with the income to students, their debt levels. And also, I mean, it's interesting, Chinatown with Red River College, Chinatown has got a lot of really good and affordable restaurants that are very popular for students. So it's also just looking at trying to create neighborhoods that are interesting and exciting, that have affordable and good food. Um, and... Um, are, are, are in, within the easy walking distance of where most students live. You know, almost every university in Montreal and Toronto has, um, uh, what I would say a highly affordable little restaurant row, you know, Greek or Vietnamese cafes and different types of things like that. So, you know, building an interesting walkable city, but also making sure that, um, when we do infill development, commercial infill development, that, uh, we're, we're maintaining the kind of affordable quality of life things that people can go out for. Students like good pubs. They like good restaurants.
4: Okay. Yeah, I think that's all I need to ask you about today.
3: Thanks for meeting with me, Glenn, and uh, yeah, good luck in the race. Thank you so much.
0: All right, everyone. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to Tobin Talks. Let's make sure we all vote on October 26th for Winnipeg's new mayor, city councilors, and school trustees. Just a reminder that if you ever have any suggestions or feedback for people who you'd like to see on the podcast, if you'd like to be on the podcast, if you want to send in any of your poetry, short stories, any of those types of things, please email me at audio at themanitoban.com. You can find Tobin Talks Thursdays at 1130 on 101.5 FM radio, which is UMFM radio, And you can listen to us anytime on all of your podcast streaming services, such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. That's it for today, and we'll see you on the next episode of Tobin Talks.